Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and I want to welcome you to the Game Changers podcast hosted by Michelle Dutrell. I personally cannot speak more highly of the value of mentorship, and this podcast will bring you some of the best. If you want some inspiration back with strategy of how to make your vision a reality, stay tuned and prepare to ignite. Hello and welcome to this week's Game Changer Podcast. My name is Michelle Dutro. I am your host, and I am really excited to actually continue a conversation that I just had with Kevin Bulmer on his podcast. Now, unfortunately, you can't hear him back to back, but I'm going to tell you what his podcast name is, and I will advertise when his airs so you can go back and listen to it, and then maybe even make uh, this make a little more sense. But understand, when you talk to somebody and you feel like you've known them forever, you're just on a stride and you could talk for hours on end, these are the people and these are the reasons why I got involved with this podcast to begin with. He is absolutely one of these individuals. We had not spoken one minute before he hit the record on his end. And we talked for more than an hour and I just said, okay, hang on, I'm hitting record on my side and we're just going to keep talking. So I love the energy that he brings, the insight that I know he's going to share with you. I'm going to ask a couple questions about what he does that I have no idea uh, what it means or what he's exactly doing. So we're going to learn that together. However, let me give you this little bit of a background. Kevin is here to help if you're interested in exploring how to live a healthier, happier, more fulfilling life that is true and genuine to who you are. Imagine that's what we talked about for the whole last hour. He does that by sharing his journey through speaking, blogs, podcasts, videos, and his songwriting. We're going to talk about that. Some principles are universal, but there is only one you. Maybe Kevin can help you find, embrace, and celebrate that essence. Now, in all of this, let me tell you, we are going to do a deep dive uh, on how he defines what this is to be the no schedule man. So suffice it to say, he and I stand for the same thing. We believe the same principles. Everybody's unique. You have your own voice, your own story, your own way of bringing that out into the world. I love everybody who has, whether it's a blog or a TV show or a podcast or however it is they're getting their voice out and their story out. His podcast is doing the exact same. So when we get to that, trust me, it's all going to be in my show notes because you've got to go check it out. It's brilliant. And I love his energy. And he was a pleasure to talk to. As I said, we could have talked for hours. Uh, we're going to continue that right now. So Kevin, outside of being in Canada, what should people know about you that I didn't mention? I was hoping you were going to mention the jackhammer, but people will have to listen to the other podcast to get in on that, right? Yes, we can't we can't give I, it all away. Yes. Well, I'm thinking I was going to try to maybe use that as my new nickname. Never mind, no schedule, man. I'm going to nickname it the jackhammer podcast, <laughs> yes. just like when George Costanza tries to name himself T-Bone. But that's uh, you and that's getting kind of passe. Um, <gasps> Very what good. was the question again? Hello, it's nice to, <laughs> nice to talk to you. Very good. See, this is going to be all kinds of uh, good energy. Let's let's go back and start before we get to the no schedule man let's get back to uh radio let's get yeah. into songwriting you've got some interests that obviously you're very good at you've been doing these for a long time i went back and kind of read your history how long you've been doing things the 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 cds that you've got out walk us back let's go way back from junior high high school 
was, was communication. Were you like the high school DJ? Were you the, you know, they have in high school, the guy who does the morning announcement, like, has this always, this whole genre, this medium always been your calling or did somehow you trip across it along the way to even get in this space that, uh, that we're both in right now? Yeah, some form of it always has been, Michelle. I was the guy that that knew what he wanted to do from a really young age. Grade six was the first time that I remember. I don't remember why grade six sticks in my mind, but I remember that's when I decided I was going to be the next play-by-play broadcaster for the Detroit Tigers baseball team. Um, some kids carried around teddy bears. I had a little transistor radio. It was about the size of a brick. And uh, I grew up in London, Ontario, Canada, which is equidistant from Detroit and Toronto, just to give people an idea. And I would carry that radio around with me everywhere that I went and listen to a station called WJR 760, the great voice of the Great Lakes, broadcasting out of Detroit. And they would play the Tiger games. And I would listen to every single game, inning by inning. I would fall asleep with that thing, um, talking about the games in my ear. And then I would find this great mystery. And at night you could pull in all these AM stations from all around North America and hear different sporting events and news items and things like that. And and I was fascinated with that. So when I was in grade school, I knew that I wanted to be in some form of broadcasting. And I was the kid that did well at the public speaking events and was the grade eight valedictorian and whatnot. And when I went into high school, I went to a different school than most of my friends did, not my home school, so to speak, because I picked one specifically because they had a radio and television arts program that you could get into in grade 11 at the earliest. And I knew I was going to want to do that. Uh, And I did that. And it was the sort of situation where I would be waiting at the door for the professor to, to show up to let me in. And then they'd have to kick me out at night because I just enjoyed it so much. The trouble with that was that I took that program at its earliest. So, and it was a two year program. And, and When I finished it, I still had more high school credits to go back and get before I could do my next stage of education. And by that time, I already knew what I wanted to do and that I was really good at it. But then I had to wait. And I look back at that as kind of a key time in my life where I first started to go on a bit of a speed wobble there because of the anxiousness that I felt. And to be honest, Michelle, uh, a little bit of anger, maybe more than a little bit of anger that I thought I should be able to go and do what I wanted to do rather than learning more calculus or history or whatever it was. Um, But the good thing that happened at that time where I had some creative energy to burn while I was still getting some more of those high school credits was picking up an interest in music. And um, there was one album in particular by a group called Extreme, which some people will know as the uh, the more than words guys, although you could be 25 years old and never even have uh, heard of them. Time's passing. They put out an album called Three Sides to Every Story, and I saw them in concert and it spun my head off my shoulders and I went to see them in concert and I thought, wow, (laughs) I'd like to do that. And I started writing songs, uh, started writing lyrics and got into a high school band and took singing lessons, and didn't really play any instruments at that point, although I had taken some piano lessons as a kid, but it was more something that my mom forced me to do. The classic story of I wish I'd paid attention. Uh, And then years later, I taught myself to play some basic guitar just for the, the, the ability to continue to write songs. And that's something that I've always kept up, Michelle, more as a, almost a form of personal journaling. The songs just kind of show up and then I write them down or capture them. And, and I've never done it for any reason to try to become famous or become an artist. I've never had any interest in touring or anything like that. Um, but I've had a lot of people say, you know, you should do something with them. You should do something with them. And one of the songs that just sort of showed up one day um, was a tune called No Schedule Man. And <laughs> now I've kind of 
repurposed that as the journey has continued along. So in repurposing that, how, how are you meaning that like no schedule man or no schedule or the no schedule man? Like what for those, you know, obviously that maybe haven't heard your song. How did that show up? And what is that meaning of significance to you that you've gravitated to kind of make that your calling card? Yeah, and it's a bad name for a podcast and a brand because it doesn't mean anything to anybody yet. But I'm I'm taking the gamble, Michelle, that it'll pay off in the long run. Perfect. <laughs> once, I, <laughs> once I have the opportunity to get out and actually see people in person, and then they'll say, "Oh, okay, I I, I get it. Yeah, I that's neat. It. I I I suppose." Um, <laughs> or maybe or maybe we'll change it. Uh, no schedule, man. To me, the idea is it basically equals that the journey is. The destination. Uh, and it represents everything from embracing change and impermanence and, and letting go and setting a destination and moving forward. If you think of it like being on an old sailing ship, a pirate ship or whatever, something romantic and fun, you've got to put an X on the map somewhere that you want to get to so that you can be driving yourself forward. But if you're going to open up the sails and, and, and get moving across the ocean to get somewhere new, I can guarantee that at some point along the line, you're going to get blown sideways a little bit. So you can either stiffen against that and take an awful battering, or you can sort of go with the tides, you know, and eventually you'll get to where you wanted to get to, uh, or you may get somewhere new. But it's the whole idea of in the song, it says, I am a no schedule man. No plan is all part of the plan. Now, that's not saying do nothing. Just sit in the couch with your feet up and eat Cheetos and watch football. It's saying that, no, have a plan. Set a destination, keep moving forward, but understand sometimes you got to take your hands off the wheel and just see how things – in the conversation that you and I had on my podcast, you used the analogy, which I loved, of the snow globe. And we can talk about that, I guess, if you like, of sometimes you need to just let it still – stop shaking it so hard and right. just let the snowflakes kind of settle so that you can get some clarity and then decide you know, how to, to take that next step. But – the, the the realization of that song and that character and what I've adopted as, as a brand and kind of like, it, it, you know, encouraging people to be their own superheroes, not look to other people to solve your, your issues or, or devalue yourself by holding other people up on some sort of a pedestal or something like that. Be the person that you aspire to be and that you want to look up to. And so I guess I'm just at the start of the process, Michelle, of going like, OK, well, my persona is I am, you know, the no schedule man. So, for instance, somebody like Popeye would say, you know, I am what I am. No schedule man would say, I am where I am. Something like that. Um, the, the story about how the song came to be to begin with is kind of an interesting one, or at least I think so. Maybe you'll disagree. Would you like to hear it? I'd love to hear it. <laughs> so it came from, for, well, I still go to the same gym, but for years and years I would go and I'd meet a friend there early in the morning and we'd go and play, he says with air quotes, squash. Um, it was, we sort of swung rackets and kibitzed a little bit, but that was about it. And there was a, a fellow there, uh, of South Korean descent, uh, a man in his seventies named Chan. And we absolutely loved this man. I don't think he goes to the gym anymore, which is, is, is too bad, but we would see him every morning and, and he would always greet us. And, uh, he always called me young fella <laughs> and he always would say the phrase, Oh yeah. Like just, and then he'd ask me, you're going off to work or whatever else. And, and he, I actually have on an old phone that I've kept Michelle, my last Blackberry. There's a, a list in there that I just wrote down stuff that he said, cause I didn't want to forget it. And one day we were getting dressed at, at the gym and Chan said, so young fella, 
you go work, you go make your money now. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'll do my best. What about you? Oh, you know me, every day, always the same. I am a no schedule man. <laughs> now at that time, huh. I had a music project on the go and I had written, a, I guess I'll call it a song, but it was just a series of of acoustic guitar chords. And I had written them specifically um, to present to a fellow that I was working with at that time because I thought that it might set up really well for him to do the sort of lead guitar style that he really liked to play. And I thought, well, he'll really like this. So I got the chords together, and this was a rare thing for me as a songwriter to do, that I had the whole song, but I didn't know what it was about, and I didn't have any lyrics in mind. And it was like that for several months, actually, Michelle. And then there was that day with, um, with Chan at the gym. <laughs> he says, I am a no-schedule man. And bing, this light bulb goes off over my head. And I remember, not to give anybody an unpleasant visual, but uh, I went into the, the area where I, by the sinks and I was shaving. And these words just start showing up from the universe and channeling into my mind. It's, I am a no-schedule man. No plan is all part of the plan. I clear the calendar wherever I can, and I've got the whole world in the palm of my hand. Blue jeans, ball cap, ready to roll, all else beyond my control. I am the waves and tide and wind, because I roll in and I roll out again, passing with nomadic chagrin to the next great adventure if I get there at all. And I was thinking, because we're recording this at the end of a week where there have been some rather interesting political happenings in your country, and the last verse of the No Schedule Man song says, yeah, I am a no schedule dude, and I don't mean to intrude on your political feud or your rigid, ragged mood. Because life's too short, then I'll be gone. But you will, too, as time moves on. My handshake is my business card. No appointments, please. So, you know, I, <laughs> I had fun with that. And I'm not even, to be honest, I don't mean to sound like a snobbish artist guy. But I'm not even really all that proud of how that song came out on the CD that we did back in, in 2010. But I could tell you that the idea of No Schedule Man was the antithesis of how I was actually acting and behaving at the time. So it was an, I, I can look back now, Michelle, and see it's an example of I knew what I needed to know, even though I didn't know that I knew it yet if you know what I mean. I do, yeah. And I, I equate it to, for those, and again, I'm dating myself with this reference to, I don't sit around and watch TV. I'm not judging anybody that does. I just, you know, I'm doing things like, like you are podcasts and, and other stuff at night. So I haven't watched a current TV show in a long time. So I still do a lot of Seinfeld references. And there's a, an episode of that show where Jerry tells George Costanza to do the opposite of every one of his natural instincts, is that if everything that he chooses to do is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. And so the idea of embracing change and taking it easy and going with the flow and embracing impermanence and uh, being okay with not being in control was the absolute opposite, Michelle, uh, of how I was. Goal-oriented, driven. If there's a problem, solve it. If there's a wall, push it down, get over it. Never even occurred to me to stop and decorate it and then pull out a chair and, and admire it and maybe rest for a little while. And it was actually in 2010, which was the year that I had worked so hard to actually get that CD, which we named No Schedule Man, done, that my entire house of cards started falling in on itself um, through health, ended up in the hospital. By the end of that year, I knew that my almost 12-year marriage was, was about to be done. Um, the company that I was involved in was going to be scaling down. And at the beginning of 2011, 
all of the labels that I had attached to myself and everything that I'd worked so hard to build all sort of came crumbling down within the course of, of a couple of months. And so for a period of a couple of years after that, I didn't, um, I didn't think about No Schedule Man and some of the songs on it, like Hope Over Hurt and, and things like that. I wondered if I still believed those things. Uh, now I look back on it and I go, no, you knew what your true essence was. You just didn't, you just didn't see it yet. You know, the, um, you had been led to the water, but, <laughs> but you just weren't drinking it. You weren't ready. And, uh, now I, I look at that idea of no schedule, man, is me embracing who I think I really am, whether other people think it's okay or really understand what it is or not. Um, it, it, it makes me smile because I feel like, okay, you know, you're, you're doing something for yourself uh, that's positive with the mind toward contributing and trying to help and share genuinely for the benefit of other people that I'm not so worried about being perfect anymore, Michelle, although I, I fight myself on that on a daily basis. I think just, just be genuine and share your story and just uh, maybe it'll make somebody smile. Maybe it'll help them out. Uh, and even if they think you're silly and, and they're laughing at you, then uh, then that would be okay too. Then that's a benefit as well. Okay, there are about 19 different things in that story that I want to touch on in the all of, uh, gosh, 14 minutes we have left. So I, I'm going to stick with the big highlights that jumped out of me of what you said. Okay. One thing that I love, and, and a different analogy besides a snow globe came to me as you were talking, and... You know, people who are drivers and type A, and I know where I'm going, and I've got my goal set, and I've got my blinders on, so I'm not going to see anything else. And I know this is the path, and I've got to take it, and I've got to take it right now. It makes me think of, and I'm certainly, maybe it's the proximity of the ocean, but you know, when you're out in the ocean a bit and there's a riptide, and that current is so strong, and when you start to get tired and you think, holy cow, I can't keep uh, treading water for much longer, I've obviously got to get back to the shore. And that, you know, uh, the, the closest path between two points is not always your best path. In fact, that is what drowns most people is they're out in the ocean, get caught in a riptide, see the shore and think that's my only way is the, is the closest path. And I'm already tired. I must have to do that. And I think if we could find a way to do exactly what you're talking about, check in and see how hard am I struggling doing what I'm doing? And is that what makes the most sense? Or do I need to ease up on the gas pedal? Because, you know, if you start swimming in a diagonal fashion, kind of parallel, but heading toward the shore, but yet parallel to the shore, you will get out of that riptide and make your way back in. But you've got to get out of your head long enough to say, this feels counterintuitive. I'm not taking the shortest path. I'm what's taking what appears to be a longer path, but it's less resistance. Thus, I might actually make it. I'm going to go more uh, with what the current is instead of fighting the tide. And, and even though it looks like it's a longer path to get there, the truth is I'll get there and a lot easier with a lot less effort. So in your conversations and, and really more so more about your life, what has it taken for you, if there's, you know, one event, or maybe it's over a period of time for you to really embrace in your own life, living and taking the actions of somebody who says, I'm going to ease up on the gas pedal a bit here. I know what I want, whether it's, I want to start this podcast, or I want to start this new business, or I want to go do this thing, but checking in with yourself on a regular enough basis to say, how much of this is a struggle right now and why, 
where can I course correct so that this is easier and I'm not fighting the tide so much? Yeah, a lot of the things that you discuss uh, that are part of your your life and uh, some things that come up in, in your podcast as well, Michelle, I, I've, I guess I'm a year, a couple of years, depending on how you look at it down the road of trying to incorporate into to my routine um, meditation. I would consider myself very much a beginner as far as that's concerned. Uh, yoga, I had somebody on my podcast uh, named Sean Vig. I found him when I, I remember I uh, I put into YouTube or Google, I guess it's one and the same, but uh, beginner yoga for men. <laughs> Some things like that. I remember focusing on trying to become more flexible physically. And uh, a funny thing happened. I actually got stronger. I, I stopped lifting weights so much and started stretching more and I got stronger. Funny how that works, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so b- those kinds of things combined along with the time after all those big changes happened. And and by the way, when I talk about, you know, divorce and the, the company going away and all that kind of stuff, I don't say that as you who I, or you who, boo who, <laughs> you who, boo who. Um, you can go ahead and hashtag that. And um, it, this sounds cliche, but the divorce in particular was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. And we'd need a whole other separate discussion to, to talk about that. But um my my former wife and I, I don't like the term ex-wife. That term ex sounds disrespectful to, you know, what we meant to each other and to the, the two kids that, that we're still parents of. Um, she and I are great friends. She remarried. That was a relationship that started that was kind of the, well, I thought at the time, the precipitation of the end of our marriage. But I now know that it was years and years and years before that, that that process started. Um, so I've seen that, you know, you can choose to make what you want of whatever your situation is. If you want it to be cheerful and, and happy and amicable, then it, it can be. You don't have to buy into this stereotype. So, it, you know, it starts with some of those choices and the awareness that you build, you know, when you can introduce some stillness and, and some things like that into your routine, you start to build a bit of a, even just the tiny crack of space between your mind and your mouth and your thought and your action. I never used to have that filter, Michelle. And I, I wonder sometimes how my life might have been different if I had developed that skill couple of decades before I did. Um, at, but after the time that everything really changed back around 2010, to 2011, it was a couple years that I was afraid to get back going and trying to achieve any goals because I was afraid of getting back on what I called the treadmill because I didn't want to be driven so hard that I sacrificed my health or that I just, I didn't trust myself yet to know the, the signs and to know when to back off. And I, I was, uh, I remember the word that I, I used talking to a counselor about it as being disoriented. Uh, I missed that part of myself, but I was afraid of it because I had come to really embrace living with less and being present, being grateful. And, um, those were things that I, I, I know now through the benefit of hindsight that I was lacking prior to some of those changes. Um, but then, you know, like most things are, it was like a baby deer trying to walk on the ice. It was sort of herky-jerky, but I, I got going again. I forced myself to do another creative project, which turned into an acoustic EP, which was just me and an acoustic guitar and some very light instrumentation. And I wanted it deliberately to just be me so that I could call it solo, <laughs> the return of No Schedule Man. And it was more, again, for myself of, all right. We're going to start marching again. We're going to start moving forward again here. And I remember having awful anxiety about it because I was afraid I was going to run myself back into the ground. And it was awkward for a while until finally I realized, as I mentioned about describing what I perceived No Schedule Man to be about, was that the, the journey 
is the destination. The development, like the reaching for the goal needs to add to the present. If it's pulling you away from the present moment, then you're out of alignment. To use the music analogy, I finally realized you might be one of those guitar players that can play these scales at a million miles an hour, and that's all well and fine and impressive. But sometimes the slow songs are more difficult to play because they just require more breath and more groove and you need to stay in the pocket so if you race ahead of what the drummer is doing uh, or you lag behind the beat you're out of rhythm so that if you can try to think of it that way and just sort of stay in the pocket and stay with the beat and stay with the flow and and the water analogy that you and i have, have both used in both of our conversations understanding that some days are really fast songs <laughs> and some days are slow songs and most days are, are sort of in between. And to tune in your awareness to, okay, w- what am I and, and how much can I affect this and how much do I need to let go? I think that's a constant process for all of us. But if you can even just get to the point, at least for me, of, of being able to even just ask the questions and have that level of awareness to go, what's, what's going on right now? What, um, you know, am I, am, I, am I tired? Am I, am I hungry? Am I lonely? Am I angry? Am I all four? (laughs) Um, But I never had the ability to do that earlier in my life. And so it's amazing what you can do when you just give yourself a chance to sort of stop and consider how you feel about what's going on. So you mentioned something really key here, which was, you know, the divorce uh, being... uh, uh, very happy that it happened. I mean, ultimately it needed to, it was, uh, I'm assuming here it, it was no longer serving the greatest higher good for both of you. How did you get your mindset from really looking? And I would imagine not just the divorce, but maybe shifting into all things of when things happen, even if we don't realize them exactly in the moment, hopefully we get there of that just happened not to me, but that happened for me. Two major, major life shifts happened for me at that time, Michelle, and I don't know where the insight came from. Probably the same source that delivers the song lyrics <laughs> or the ideas for whatever. But one of them was when I discovered that my wife at the time had entered into another relationship, I went through a period of many months where I was trying to keep it together and uh, keep the, the, the family together. We have two boys that are now 13 and 10 and they're are awesome. And, and uh, I'm really proud of, of how well we, we co-parent them. And the boys and I have never been, been closer than we are now. We call ourselves the three amigos, but that's another story. But at the beginning time of that process, mostly what I did was wag my finger. She was the one in another relationship. So she was wrong, right? And that was the paradigm I was stuck on. And You know, I couldn't get her to go to counseling, so I started to go. Um, And after a certain time, again, I don't know where this insight came from, but I realized this isn't working. (laughs) You know, making it all her fault doesn't seem to be getting me anywhere. So I thought about it, and I thought, well, there are, are two of us here. I wonder what my end of it was. And just being willing to ask that question blew my mind open and and started me down a path of reading books about relationship and communication and and all of these kinds of things. And and I did go to counseling. And when I I became open to that, I thought, oh, my gosh, okay. Now I start seeing no big major events, but just all sorts of really little lazy things, really. That, that would have added up over a period of time. 
And um, and then the other thing that happened was that when it finally occurred to me that it was clear that th- this isn't going to work, you know, you're not going to be able to keep this family together. And and it's still at that point, Michelle felt to me like a, a failure. I remember feeling shame and, and, and embarrassment over all of it. But I also remember having the profound feeling of, uh, because I, I felt like I was letting my kids down. But the second message that I got was, you know, maybe the better lesson for your kids is to show them that sometimes life doesn't go the way that you think that it should. But when that happens, you know, you hold your head up and you make the best of the situation and you treat people with kindness and compassion up to and including and maybe especially the people that you consider to have hurt you the most. You know, you forgive yourself and the other people uh, and you make the best of the situation and you continue to move forward. And that, Michelle, I, again, I don't know. I, I wasn't smart enough to think about that on my own. Um, but boy, was was that that was a gal because there were some hard days in the immediate aftermath of that. Um, but that thought turned out to be right, that, um, you know, it can be what you make of it. And I think probably the kids are, are better off even because of it. And, uh, and indeed I'm enjoying my life more. And I, and I think that my first wife would, would probably say the same, uh, but we still love and respect each other in our own way, the way things are now. And you know, uh, not that this is uh, turned into the new podcast called, uh, why everybody should get divorced, but, uh, <laughs> but understand I'm going to, I'm going to echo your sentiment here. Uh, I, I also am divorced, uh, two kids as well, uh, older than yours, but, but the same thing, you know, I think so many of us get caught up into societal standards of if you're divorced, it's a failure. The kids are never going to recover. Uh, oh, they've come from a broken home and, if there is only one thing for someone to consider, again, we're not here. This is not the divorce promotion hour. But if there is something to consider, it's there is a lot to be said for an event, something that happens, uh, an event that ends, a situation that comes to an end, whether that's a job, whether that's a relationship, whatever that is, that thing coming to an end doesn't mean that you come to an end. And so many, when you look at uh, the military, when you look at professional athletes, uh, when you look at firefighters, police officers, these are the most common things that when those careers end, they lose their identity. That, that thing was who they were. So if it's a spouse, I'm a husband or I'm a wife and that ends, now, now what? I have nothing. I'm, I'm nobody. Whether that's a divorce or whether that's a death. And I think there's a lot. Now, this is a whole nother show on what we wrap our identity around because there, there is an aspect of you that no matter what goes on external, that internal of you of the truth of who you are never goes away. Doesn't change relationship to relationship, job to job, event to event. It's the core of who you are. I think that on our on our ending note, and I, I wish my show was a lot longer. It's ridiculous that it's over right now. Because this right here, if somebody were to gravitate on on maybe even only one point in this conversation, it's be mindful of what you're attaching your identity and your meaning to as a human being in this life. Because when that thing shifts or goes away, if, if your identity goes along with it, that's, that's the, that's the hopeless despair 
right? That's the, the very darkest of the days of, gosh, now who am I? And if your kids or anybody's listening who's got kids out there of divorce, if there's one thing that, that hopefully they can take in strength that maybe they have the opportunity to, that somebody who doesn't come from a broken home doesn't have that experience early on is, I'm going to be okay. This is not the end of the world. I'm going to be okay. We're going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. And for us to learn that early on, I'm again, not promoting that, but there is grace in every situation somewhere. There is grace. There is something to be learned and gained in every situation that we run across. Don't you agree? I do. And just to wrap up, I think that the exclamation point I would put on the end of that sentence is, is the power of, of choice. And I use that, or I, I can view that, that whole divorce process that we, we talked about Really, if you think about everything else that we just discussed over the last half hour, you'll see that it's indicative of that, that I, I, I had to let go. I had to know, you know that the riptide was pulling me a different way and her a different way. But then ultimately, when you're faced with that, you still have a choice in terms of how you want to perceive it. And then you know, if the script says, well, you're going to be miserable every time you pick your kids up because you're going to be seeing this person that did this to you or the other guy that took her away or you're just going to be – it's anxiety. And, and I remember thinking, well, who wants to live like that? That's stupid. Let's just be, let's be pals. And it, uh, it's actually been kind of fun freaking people out. They're used to it now, Michelle, but that's what I would leave people with. It's your choice in terms of how you want to do it. it. At least you can decide and control how you want to perceive it. So choose wisely. Well, you and I have the exact same lines. I don't know how we haven't known each other for decades because you talk and I feel like I'm listening to me just with a male voice. So it's it's fantastic. If anybody wants to learn more about your podcast, they want to check you out, your blogs, every great thing you have going in this world, how do they find you? Noschedulemancom is the easiest thing, or they can use my name if they like Kevin Bulmer, but people will say, well, how do they, they spell that? And then it usually ends up as Bumler or Bloomer, so... NoScheduleman.com will take you everywhere you need to go. Perfect. Final two questions I ask everybody on this show. Somebody's listening. Their life maybe isn't exactly as they wish it could be. They maybe have a little bit too tight of a chokehold on what is going on, but they would like it to be different. Best piece of advice for that person listening right now. What is that? Wow. Um, Talk to somebody is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, don't be afraid of sharing and, and being open and allowing yourself to be what you probably would consider to, to be vulnerable. I'm still learning to do that. And uh, as I described, when I first went through, uh, the divorce is just one of, of many things. We all have our things. But I remember feeling um, ashamed and embarrassed. And it was shocking and threw me out of balance for me to be able to realize that people liked me just for being Kevin, not Kevin, the business manager, or Kevin, the songwriter, or Kevin, the radio announcer. Um, that is OK. So I guess I would say, you know, trust yourself to be open with with, with somebody that you feel good about and, and share it. It's amazing what happens when you get some feelings uh, out of your gut um, and, and out into the air and into the space. And that's the start of giving you a little bit of objectivity to, to decide what's going to be your next move. Excellent. Final question. Out of your entire walk in life, jackhammers, riptides and all, <laughs> what is one thing you absolutely believe to be true? You know that you and I are going to have to co-write that book, right? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an answer to your question, so I'm going to rely on you to write it down. Jackhammers, riptides. So somebody write that down, would you, and email it to, to one of us? Um, what's the one thing that I know to be true? Mm-hmm. Um, 
How about I throw a song lyric at you? Lay it on me. Fear is firm, but love is stronger. I, I know that. Love it. Know that to be true. I love it. I uh, and right now in uh, the current times that we are in. That is a fantastic message to uh, end this podcast on. So, uh, Kevin, your time, your energy, I appreciate it. I can't wait to hear when yours is going to air so that I can let my people know and they can kind of tag team both of them because I think uh, them back to back is is, uh, pretty entertaining. So truly, thank you for your time and your energy. It has been absolutely my honor and pleasure. Yeah, one day we're going to do a um, a workshop together, and everybody has to bring a jackhammer, and I can't even <laughs> rip to enemy. At least a snow globe. I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> something like that. We'll we'll hand those out. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Game Changers Podcast. The next step is to hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode or any of our incredible guests. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>